Hello, welcome to episode 143 of NCP. NCP. I just like saying it. I'm not doing it. It's too many 1950s sci-fi movies. It's it's very uh, Ed Sullivan. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to go. I'm more trying to go for uh, you know. There, watch the skies. A really great show. <laughs> You're mean. Why are you mean to me? My name is David, and with me for this episode, as you can hear, is the lovely Crystal. Hello. Uh, we, there's actually no there's no young Bo this episode. Uh, oh, then I'm leaving. Oh, well, what? <laughs> Am I not good enough for you? Of course you are. Am I not man enough? <laughs> nah, Bo, he's a handsome man. Uh, he's actually uh, enjoying the sun and sand at Myrtle Beach XCON. Uh, with the NC ECN crew, so uh, we should just insert his voice here. Like, David, I think you're really hot. Well, it's funny that you say that because he actually he did he, he so badly wanted to be part of the episode that but uh, the scheduling was off, so he's actually pre-recorded his bits for the show. Oh, so we could we can make him say anything we want. Anything we want. <laughs> you're an editing master. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, David. I really like you. <laughs> you really turned me on. <laughs> <laughs> oh gee so uh, yeah so he's actually he's recorded his bits for uh, Clash of Champions and, and Top 5 so he's still with us virtually he's always with us virtually he's never here he well, can't be bothered to show up personally <laughs> well that's a good point you know that's actually a good point I can't mean, be bothered to jump on a plane a 16 hour flight well, it's, it's it's just not good enough is it? it shows a, a lack of conviction for uh, Sparkle Motion <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh it's, I mean, I guess he's always with us digitally. Digitally. Phonetically. I don't know. I'm making stuff <laughs> up there. Phonetically. I don't know. Sonically. Sonically. <laughs> anyway, moving on. For this episode, we have a review on Orphan Black. Uh, an interview with the lovely Bianca Brady from Wormwood, which is awesome. Uh, our top five female characters. And the return of Clash of Champions, round one. Well, it used to be called Contest of Champions, so it's been renamed Clash of Champions. So that's pretty cool. It's a huge show! So let's start with some news. <laughs> what are you laughing at me for? It's just the, uh, the Ed Sullivan. It's a huge show! What do you mean? I'm not. You know this thing's called Divorce Laws, I'm just telling you. Lies. Lies! Okay, so first up in the news, we've got the Supergirl trailer has been released. Uh, so C- CBS is releasing a Supergirl TV show, very much in the vein of the CW shows like The Flash and, the Ar- and Arrow, but uh, with Supergirl, uh, the trailer goes for six minutes. I mean, it's practically a mini episode, and, uh, but it is awesome. I've failed. I have not seen it. You haven't watched it yet? I haven't watched it. You've got to watch it. It's, it's, it's very much old school Superman. It's basically, it's everything that Man of Steel should have been. Like she's, I mean, she's always bright and happy and bubbly and, and it's, you know, it's colourful and, you know, it's, it's all, it's CW. all, it's feel good. Well, CW is not very bright and colourful and happy. <laughs> it's all, it's all about the angst. <laughs> a lot of angst in CW shows. She, um, I have seen pictures though. She does look good. She looks awesome. And, uh, it's, I'm really looking forward to it. There's been, there's been a little bit of, of course, being in the internet, there's criticism and, uh, there's, there's been some criticism about the, the fact that it's, it's too happy. Like people are upset that it's too happy. Don't worry. It'll and it's get like, dark. come on, really? Can't, can't we have happiness? Um, and uh, what are the other what are the other criticisms? It's just it just blows my mind. But this guy actually wrote an article saying, um, and of course it was a guy wrote an article saying that is it sexy enough 
to to uh, be successful. Why is that? Why is that a thing? <laughs> it's, it's Would you write that about Superman? I know exactly. It's just it it just blows my mind. I mean, I, I'm not. It, it just I don't know. I can't even formulate words of just how ridiculous that article. Why is. Why do you have to have that as a part of your thing when you're going into a role? Why does that have to be a factor? Yeah, exactly. Well, he's he's, he's more he's more saying that it's a factor of. He basically says one of the lines is hilarious. One of us like is like you know, and I mean I can't remember the name of the girl who's playing Supergirl. I think it's Melissa, Melissa Beno. I think. I was going to say it's rich. It's, that's wrong. No, it's Melissa something. <laughs> it's like you know, Melissa is a, is a very attractive woman, and and. <laughs> and, and, but is that enough? Is that enough? To, because because she's basically covered from head to toe. Yeah. I mean, the Supergirl outfit is. I mean, it's still it's the mini it's the mini skirt skirt business. But she's wearing stockings underneath. Yeah, but you think what would be enough? Is it is it an interesting story? Is she is a yeah. is she a good character? Is is the the show? And good? then he goes then he goes goes on to say stuff like it's like well Wonder Woman had you know Miss miss america it was was wonder woman and and uh, in this you know this, this quite revealing for the time costume and and all that sort of stuff and it's just the, the just the, the more you read this article the more you shake your head you know what i mean it's just like come on face so palm it's, 101 it's it is massive face palm so anyway I, look i'm excited for it i think it looks awesome i mean there are i mean it's it's it, i mean there are some legitimate com- complaints in terms of i mean it, it, the trailer does go for six minutes so you do see quite a lot and there's there's already some signs of it's like oh I probably wouldn't have done it that way but for what it is I think it's like I said it's everything Man of Steel should have been so it's it I just really hope they don't that, you know Zack Snyder doesn't get his claws onto it and ruin every it. single person in the world would have done it differently so there's always going to be somebody going oh that should have been that should have happened some out the way yeah. yeah but it's the most Superman that we've had for a long time so you know that, like Superman is Superman you we know need what I mean? we need Supergirl to be more Superman. You know what? I actually want Superman to be more like Supergirl. That's that's what I was trying to say. All right, okay, cool. came out all wrong and backwards. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, the the other piece of news I've got is that uh, there's a big big thing. um, I mean, it's been this way for a long time, but there's a big thing at the moment about how uh, companies don't release toys for girls that aren't sort of girl-specific. You know what I mean? So, of course, you know, Barbies and all that sort of, all that sort of crap. But, um, you I know. hate math. <laughs> math is hard. <laughs> um, you know, so, but, so it's, it's, very, it's very distinct sort of boy toys and, and girl toys. And with, I mean, and that doesn't really affect me all that much because we don't, I mean, we don't have children, so I don't really have to sort of worry about that sort of thing, I suppose. But I can see how it would be quite difficult for, you know, some parents to, to buy their daughter a toy that is generally... Sort of recommended for boys. Like, I'll give you an example. Colin Hanks, for example, recently did a Facebook post saying about how he's he took his four year old daughter. Uh, he he's watched Star Wars with his four year old daughter, and of course, she loved Princess Leia. And every time Princess Leia was on the screen, she's like, "Yeah, yeah Princess Leia." And so then you know, the next day, they went down to the to the local toy store to get a, a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Princess Leia doesn't have a lightsaber, but hey, she can have a lightsaber if she wants. God damn it! Um, and a Princess Leia action figure, and <laughs> the lightsaber. The two things that sort of struck him was that the lightsaber was in the traditionally boys section, you know, mm. air quotes, um, and uh, the only Princess Leia action figure he could find was the Slave Leia. Of course, it was outfit, you know, action figure, which he noted. And I actually never noticed that before, but he noted that she looked quite sad. <laughs> I don't know if it's a bad paint job or something, but she actually looked quite depressed. Well, she's she's a slave. <laughs> well, she's a slave. What do you want? <laughs> so um, yeah, anyway, so and that, that sort of. And it, I didn't really pay much attention to it because, like I said, we don't have children, so I didn't really pay much attention to that, you know, before now. But 
but now it's, it's, that really struck me. And the thing that sort of hit the nail on the head is that they recently, there's there's very little Black Widow merchandise, despite the fact that she plays a major part in all of the films that she's in. Even Iron Man 2, where she makes that debut, she's, she's a pretty major role. There's very little, like very little Black Widow merchandise. Like there's a, a T-shirt that shows all the characters from the film, except her. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Um, and it's, it's really strange. But it, what's... What's really not here the nail on the head is that they released her motor motorbike. So the motorbike that she wears in the that <laughs> <laughs> now there's an outfit. <laughs> no. So the motorbike that she rides in the film in that scene that you didn't like where she goes past and picks up the shield. Yeah. Um, so they've released that motorbike, but her it doesn't it doesn't come with a figure of her. It comes with a figure of Captain America. He's not even on it. He's not even on that. And so I mean, I mean. Like he dropped the shield. They've, they've, well, they've come back and said that it's the, that it's the motorbike from the start of the film that Captain America is on, like right at the very start of the film. But it clearly isn't. It's clearly the motorcycle that Black Widow is riding. So it's it it just blows my mind. It's like he was a perfect chance to actually to actually get out. A bit. I mean, if you even even look at it as a as a capitalism type thing, he was a chance to put out a Black Widow figure with extra with an extra accessory, so more expensive than the normal figures. That they knew people would buy, and they still didn't do it. It's like it, it, it's, it doesn't make sense business wise. It doesn't make sense, you know, fair wise. It's like it's really, really frustrating. Yeah, my heart goes out to the the poor parents who are trying to exp- explain these to these these sort of things to their children. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, they should just mix up the boys and the girls section and just let the kids choose which toys they want. That's it. I'm totally agree. I don't see why there's a boys and girls section. My mum used to play with trucks when she was a little girl. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. She turned out just fine. She did. She created you, so... <laughs> <laughs> and you're awesome. Thank you, though. <laughs> anyway, it's it's quite silly. So that's it for the news. Let's move on to our review. Orphan Black. Now, um, uh, our regular listeners will know that uh, we've actually covered Orphan Black uh, previously uh, with um, Luke and Richard, or mainly Luke, I think. Luke mentioned it, uh, and they were talking about how much they loved the acting of the main actress, Titania, is that her name? Titania. Titania. And we hadn't, we had, Crystal and I hadn't watched any of it uh, up at, at that point, so uh, we were intrigued by their reviews. So we have now, since then, we have now seen all of seasons one and two. We binged. And uh, the first episode of season three. So, uh, so this is actually going to be this is mainly Crystal's review, and uh, I'm going to jump in with some points as well. For those of you who haven't heard Luke and Richo's review, I'll just we'll go over the, the basics. Um, it's a Canadian science fiction series created by Graham Manson and John Fawcett, starring Titania Maslany. Maslany. Don't look at me. <laughs> I'm yeah, hopeless. Yeah, that's probably the worst person to look to. Luke's not here, so Jordan Gavaris. Maria Doyle Kennedy, who I finally realised I knew from the Tudors. I'm like, where have I seen her face before? Yeah. Um, Dylan Bruce, Kevin Hanshard, I think. I can't read my own writing. And Skylar Wexler, who is Kira. Yeah, so yeah, the list goes on and on, but they're the, they're the, the top people. Um, so our protagonist, Sarah Manning, um, starts that we find her on the run from her abusive boyfriend, Vic. Um, she's at a train station where she comes across a woman who she is shocked to notice that she looks exactly like her. 
this woman promptly walks in front of a train and kills herself. Quick thinking Sarah um, sees this as an opportunity to get away from her own life, faking her own death and becoming the woman she's found who turns out to be Beth Childs, a police detective. Um, and then she discovers that uh, the life she's living and entering into it becomes even more... Oh, what would you say? More dramatic. dramatic than she could have imagined. Probably should have stayed in her old life. Yes, um, but I'm sure it would have caught up with her eventually anyway. Yes. Um, and so um, this, we can't do this review without being a little spoilerific, so we're going to have to mention a few things like uh, it turns out that this woman was a clone and there's more clones. Yeah, it's probably the major thing you need to know for this. That's not a pretty. That's not a really a it's spoiler. Not a spoiler. But it's the I main mean, thrust of the, of the yeah, show. Yeah, and, and it's all over the place. Yeah, it's yeah. all over the internet. Um, yes. Um, so for awards uh, on the IMDb page, um, if you're interested in awards, have a look at that because there's, there's a list as long as your arm. But the major ones was she was uh, Titania was nominated uh, for best actress in the Golden Globes in 2014. She's nominated for an actor for outstanding performance in 2014. And the series won Canadian Cinema Awards for... Best dramatic series. No, no, for an episode, Variation Under Nature, and nominated for another episode, Unconscious Selection. Ah, cool. And in 2015, uh, won Best Dramatic Series at the Canadian Screen Awards. And they deserve every award they get. Okay, so it, it took about three episodes before I could decide whether I really wanted to keep watching this film. Uh, a TV, t- show. TV show. <laughs> yes, it's a TV show. I said to David, look, I'll sleep on it, and if I'm still thinking about it tomorrow, that means I probably still want to keep watching it. And sure enough, I'm still thinking about it the next day, and we kept watching it, and I'm very glad I did. It's, it's apart from uh, Titania's performance being... T- t- Titania? Tatiana? Tatiana. That's probably it. Tatiana. I think it's Tatiana. Apart from Tatiana's performance <laughs> being outstanding... The storyline is also intriguing, and just the uh, way it's put together is just exceptional. You cannot tell, except for a few scenes every now and then, or hardly ever really, you cannot tell that um, the the two or, or more clones in the frame are the same person. That mm. You can very rarely tell that there's two screens there. Uh, and apparently the way they filmed that is because they filmed each scene a number of times with her doing the motions and then they edited together and and you get her touching the other clone and it's just it's it's seamless it's almost well almost it is pretty much seamless it's just yeah it's just there's, there's a couple of times where it doesn't quite work but most of the time it's, just, the it's time, amazing it's amazing mm. um and apparently i i read that she has a continuity team so if for example she's got a bit in the script where Alison rolls her eyes. The continuity team make sure it's an Alison eye roll and not a Sarah eye roll. Things like that. Stuff. And it's a really amazing. She changes her, her voice, her accent, the way she moves. The only thing that um, it took me a while to get over is because she, she, although she's in her late 20s, I think she's 30 this year, she looks very young, so it took me a little while to get past the fact that she's impersonating a police officer that she could get to detective level at that age, but she is of that age mm. to do that. Um, so overall, I, I give the series <clears throat> series one and two for four and a half looks. So four, four and a half out of five, you say overall. I, 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 I have to totally agree with uh, originally Luke's uh, assessment and yours, just now, is it Tatiana? The performance just... 
I mean, I'm quite often while we're watching the show, just you know, it's just hand on forehead of just of just how amazing it is. Mm. I mean, it's, I mean, a, a sign of a good actor is is for me, or for me at least, is, is someone who can who I can suspend disbelief. Suspend disbelief. You know what I mean, and it's like they basically they take over that role and they mm. become that person. And and actors that have been around for a while. You know, managed to do that in multiple films. So, like my favorite, my favorite female actor is is Meryl Streep, and that she, I mean, because she she does exactly that. She takes over that role she, over multiple films, and you know, it's just brilliant over her, her long established career. But Tatiana does this within scenes, so she's yes. basically she's playing multiple roles, completely different people, th- convincingly, yeah. In the one episode. And I think the most impressive part is when she's being, so for instance, Sarah, who's being, then has to impersonate one of the sisters. Yeah. So just, that's, that, you're totally right. That, they're actually, they're my favourite ones. When she's actually, so she's, the the, the default, I mean, I, I guess you, you'd say the default character is Sarah. Because um, like I said, she's our protagonist and she's the one that we know the most. And so then, so you've got, you've got a, 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 like a particular scene where she's, where Sarah is being Rachel. But she's also interacting with Alison, who's, who's being, being Sarah. Sarah, and it's just—it just seriously just blows my mind. It just how and, and, awesome and it is as the audience because we're so invested in the characters, we can tell. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's just—and and, I mean, her her brilliance, and she's she's brilliant. I mean, for someone to peak this way at this early stage of her career, I can just—I can't imagine where she's going to go from here. But she's that brilliant that. I can, I, even though I can tell which person that she is. I mean, there's a couple of times where they sort of sprint it on the audience as well. Yeah. Like, you're not too, you're not meant to really know. I can always tell, but that's only because of just of visual visual cues. Yeah. But her performance is so good that you've even got bits where she's she needs to learn the role that she needs to play. So so Sarah is like so right right at the very beginning. Sarah is learning to become Beth, mm. and I mean Sarah is British. And Tatiana is not British, <laughs> so you've got a British person pretending to uh, a, a Canadian actress pretending to be a British person who's trying to learn to be a you can only assume Canadian detective. detective. <laughs> it's just I don't know. It just it's just um, it's unbelievable to me of just how talented this woman is. The only one picky thing I would have there is that when um, there was a scene where we won't say which scene to spoil it, but uh, Helena impersonate Sarah. She manages to find a perfect Sarah wig somewhere. I'm cool with that. What's wrong with that? Uh, I'll, we'll get that as a gimme. <laughs> that, that's, that's perfectly fine. Oh, I can understand how Rachel would, because she's got all this money and resources, but where does Helena get this wig from? But that's, but that's you've actually, you, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's like a psychic connection, but that's actually the, the, the scene I wanted to finish that, that, finish that, up, that sort of conversation up on, is you've got Helena, who is a Ukrainian psychopath, I mean, she's crazy, pretending to be Sarah, but doing a bad job. Like, so yeah. she's so you've actually got someone who is so good at her role, so so good at her profession, so, as in Tatiana, who can play this psychopathic character who's trying to pretend, pretend to be this, uh, you know, rational character. Okay. Although you can argue that Sarah's <laughs> a little bit a little bit crazy as well, but but actually doing a bad job at it. Uh, but just just enough for the audience to go after a few minutes go. That's Helena. Not even a few minutes. It was within a few seconds, yeah. but but it's just you know, yeah. it just it blows my mind. Yeah. And you know, I just I I 
I worship at the feet of this of this lady. She's I, I think such a talent. It's, it's a it's a dream role for Tatiana, and it's funny because I've been saying Tatiana to myself all this time, and I come out with Titania. I don't know why. But this <laughs> it's a dream role for her because I mean, what other show? Could you show off this talent? And so we, most shows you only get the one role, mm. so you can only show that you're playing that one character. So what? I mean, this must be just a dream come true for her. So the only the only clone where I think that it doesn't really work is Tony, the transgender clone, um, and that's not because of her performance. Her performance is excellent as always. It's just because she looks weird. But it just it just yeah, I wouldn't really say weird, <laughs> but it just it, it it just clearly is not. It's clearly her. Yeah. You know what I mean? With a fake beard. It just doesn't really... Just do, and she just looks doesn't too, quite work. I know. Well, she's transgender, so it's like they're saying she looks too feminine. Probably that does, that's not really a criticism, but maybe at least could do something different with the hair. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, it's the hair. The long hair, I think, is if, they, if, they, if it was a shorter hair... Or maybe, maybe a little bit more maybe, easier to maybe, understand. Yeah, or leave it long and make it sort of uh, lanky man long... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to bring up Tony uh, last because I, just, I can segue into the next bit about the, what I like about the show is that it's it's in a unique situation where it can talk about uh, what it is to be human, um, and it's not the first show to do that, obviously. I mean, but but it's it's got this sort of situation where you've got you've got all the, these clones, and because they were raised by different people around the world, they have different characteristics, even though they all basically look the same generally except for tony obviously um uh i guess that's one of my other bugbears is there's no fat clones <laughs> it's like they all they all basically had the same body type that sarah has so yeah, which, which well, makes sense but that's like there's always uh bipedal aliens in star trek <laughs> yeah exactly you gotta, you gotta let it go um anyway so so you've got all these different clones from around the world that have all been raised in a diff- different scenarios and you've actually and it's it's become a case of You've got a bisexual clone um, who is Cosima. Oh, yeah, Cosima. So you got you got a you've got a bisexual clone uh, whose name is Cosima, um, and you've got uh, a crazy clone, Helena. You've got a transgender clone, Tony. Um, and it's <laughs> and it's just it's an interesting it's an interesting way for them to talk about uh, sexuality and and. Uh, um, nature. I, I guess it's the nature versus nurture argument. Now, actually, um, I actually had I, I did a bit of research into this uh, because what I what I thought the nature versus nurture argument was is actually not quite what it is now. It is what it is when I first heard about it when I was younger. But it's but science has you know has progressed from then, and it's actually now a little bit different. So what I've found is that the the Cosimer argument um, is that. The, the way the, because you, you can have a bisexual clone and still uh, have a uh, nature argument. They're basically saying that she's she was born that way um, because all the clones are created uh, in in vitralized as well. They're created and then put into donor subjects and they and they're born naturally. Um, yeah, so so they're so they're created they're created in the lab and then they're actually get put into uh, into donor women who, and then they were actually born you know in a natural the natural process. Um, and the nature versus nurture argument is saying that it's not just genetics that creates homosexuality or your sexuality in any way. It's actually it's also uh, during the gestation process while you're inside your parent. Um, so different you know chemical reactions and you know environment and 
in, in the food that she eats and all, everything, all that sort of stuff, all contributes in some way. They're not too sure. They're not sure exactly how. Obviously, they can't replicate it. But the the, the general idea is that it's not just the genetic material that you get from your mother and father. It's also what happens during your gestation and why that's so important. And that's that's fascinating. So they're they're basically essentially saying that that we all have the potential to be homosexual. Well, well whatever. Alt- alternate, or I don't know what you want to call it. That segues nicely into what I was going to say. Um, because they, they're starting with it. You start with an um, embryo. And it depends on how these the clones were created. Because um, the mitochondria comes from the mother. So the, if there was an egg donor... All the mitochondria would be from that egg donor, not from the original donor DNA. Yeah. So that that that, that there's a factor there, and um, also the factor there's always randomness. Even if you've got exactly the same, even if all the embryos are exactly the same genetically, what you're saying is quite true. The the, the randomness in the development. Um, if you look at CC the cat. Um, I don't know if you remember, we always saw an episode of QI mm. that had CC, the carbon copy cat. Mm. Um, CC is the first, I think it was the first cloned cat. Um, and the, the donor mother, for lack of a, a better term, um, is different colour to CC. Mm. The fur is different colour. Now, you, there's, you'd expect all clones to look exactly the same, and it's not necessarily always going to happen. I mean, even identical twins, there will be slight differences. And it's just because of the way... Um, randomness happens during the development. So, so certain genes will be switched on that will make the fur one colour and, and in, in one instance, and in another instance, certain other genes will be switched on that make the fur the other colour. Hmm. So um, there's no guarantee that all the clones are going to look exactly the same. So there's no reason why Helena couldn't have been a natural blonde. Yeah. She's clearly got roots, but yeah, she, she, could, have been, <laughs> she could have been a natural blonde. Yeah. 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 Amazing. It's it's amazing stuff. And so and so, and so I mean, there, there's the the nature versus not nurture argument. I mean, you could, clearly you, you're born as a gay person. You're born gay, but um, there's also the, the personality traits. Um, I think some of it is, is genetic. Some of it is the way you're brought up. And you take two people brought up in the same house who can grow up completely different. Just hmm. take. Brothers, for example, they can grow up in exactly the same house, and one can grow up to be perfectly respectable. The other one can grow up to be criminal, questionable, questionable. questionable. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I think part of it, and and so and it's all part of it. It's down to the individual which parts they absorb from where. Hmm. So they they don't. I mean, over the the two seasons that we've watched, they haven't delved into it. Too, too obviously I mean they, they basically they just they, they just pre- present the situation as it is and you have to think about it yourself and that's because they've got the overarching storyline of them versus the the corporation that made them and all that stuff they basically don't have time to sort of delve into the into the these sort of ideals but it is uh, I mean it's 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 good that it, I find it re- really cool that you've got a show that is actually is generally quite good um, I do have some you know, some complaints about it, but I think it's, I think it's based essentially lost its way in season three a bit. Um, but the, the, I mean, the over the overarching story is, is good enough for you to, for you to keep watching, mm. but then you've got all these 
philosophical questions as well that, that, that you know, I mean, I don't, I don't spend all my time just marvelling at, at Tatiana's performance. There's also all these, you know, other questions that need to be asked. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm so glad they took the chance, even though I didn't quite work visually, the fact that they had a character like Tony mm. is just, is spot on. It's, just, it's amazing. They, um, from a layman's perspective, I'm, not, I'm no expert in clones at all, mm. or biology or anything, but from a layman's perspective, they look like they're trying to get the science right. And especially like there's a scene where with Cosima and Delphine where they're trying to um, look, uh, I think they're trying to search the, the genome sequence and mm. then they realise that 30 years ago that would have been programmed in ASCII. I'm like, yep, that's probably spot on. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> So yeah, so I just finished. Uh, so I just finished with saying that uh, my favourite clone is Alison, <laughs> and uh, uh, in in terms of the actual the overall show, uh, even though Alison is my favourite favourite clone, uh, favourite character, um, actually I just feel that sort of season three's like I said, kind of lost its way a bit. Like there's, uh, there's they've got a they've, they're starting that they're current they're starting a storyline with Alison um, that I haven't seen the end of yet, obviously because we're only about four episodes into season three. Um, but I just. I just don't see how it's relevant to the rest of the story. I think it might become relevant. Yeah, I, I guess they'll have to make it relevant at some way. I mean, it's like I mean, mm-hmm. the, I mean, her her storylines in previous in the previous seasons, like uh, you know, the play, like the play is not relevant to the the overall story, but it it's was tied to the character. It was tied in because it was relevant to the character, and then you know, you know, yeah. Donnie, the you know, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm hoping that it'll it'll turn around and actually be <laughs> important to the story in some way, but. I, just, I don't know. I don't really see it happening. But overall, I bet season one and season two um, are just it's brilliant. I've been thinking about the question since you asked me, and I think my favourite clone is Helena. Yeah. Basically, for the for the range at the start, um, you want her dead because she's running around killing all the clones, and then you like like the the clones themselves. You do a complete backflip, and you feel like protective of her, and you want them to help her. Mm. I did, yeah, I didn't. I didn't want her dead because she was killing the other clones. I just, I wanted her dead because she was too unpredictable. Like yeah. she was, it was she was on their side. She wasn't on their side. She was, was, I think was, that was just, a good thing was about too, her. She was just too dangerous. It's just it's crazy. Yeah, but yeah. now yeah, but now she's awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, final thoughts. Uh, Tatiana's performance is unbelievable, and it has to be seen, even if you don't want to watch the, the entire two seasons. I mean, it's only ten episodes per season, um, so I highly recommend that you do. Because uh, it is actually a good show, but but see it just for her performance alone, and she's going to go a long way. She's amazing. Um, I I give it four point five out of five as well. Cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> also, so let's move on to Clash of Champions. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, very exciting. So what we're, so we're going to do is because I've got uh, Bo's recording, pre-recorded stuff. So I'll do as well. So we'll, I'll do, I'll introduce it and uh, do the bias and stuff, and you and I sort of have a discussion, and then I'll play his bit, and then we'll reveal okay. the Facebook stuff, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you cool? Okay. All right, sweet. Cool. So yeah, so Clash of Champions has been renamed from Consciousness of Champions, <laughs> so that we don't get sued. Uh, and uh, we're in round one, so it's a brand new round one. Uh, for this round, we have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy Summers, versus Natasha Romanov, the Black Widow. Now I have specified that it's TV Buffy versus movie Black Widow. I just wanted to make that clear because comic Buffy 
is ridiculously powerful. And you don't want movie Buffy. And you know what? No, you don't want movie Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> Although she does a fine job. She's as good as Christy Swanson. Yeah, I think she is. I never saw anyway, it. Anyway, she's fine. She's perfectly fine. But the movie's terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, I did want to make that clear because yeah, comic Buffy means nothing to you, obviously. But like it, it continues on from the series and. She becomes a god at one point. It's like, come on. <laughs> it just gets out of control. But, uh, yeah, so TV Buffy versus uh, movie Black Widow. Um, now, I've decided I want to go, like, a bit... We, I introduced a sort of a story element into the last <laughs> the last series, uh, which I thought really worked really well. Like, I got some good, some positive feedback. So, uh, so I'm going to do that. As, I'm going to do that uh, for this. So, please forgive me if, 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 it's, if it's no good. But it's, this is essentially what it is. So the Clash of Champions um, competition has uh, is now become uh, not necessarily public knowledge, but knowledge in the superhero uh, sort of community. Uh, no, not even really superhero community, but just sort of you know people who know things know things, and uh, and so <laughs> people who know things know. Yeah, you know, like Nick, characters like Nick Fury who know things, he knows about it. You know that sort of stuff. And uh, people are actually now volunteering. It's a need-to-know basis. Yeah, so it's it's being revealed that there's actually a corporation. I've probably stolen this, subconsciously stolen this from uh, Orphan Black, probably. But there's a corporation behind the competitions. Um, and so they're, they're the ones that built the facility. They're the ones that were kidnapping people and, and uh, you know, taking away all their morals and putting them into the fight. But they're also the ones that give the reward to the one who actually wins in the end. So um, it sounds like the the tricksters in Star Trek they, they they kidnap these people and make them play their games. Yeah, like Q and stuff. Yeah, yeah. in the original series. Oh, the original tricksters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, that's probably, that's probably probably ripped it off subconsciously from there as well. <laughs> it's not a new concept. I've ripped it off from somewhere, surely. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so it's it. So that's what it is. So people are actually now volunteering for this fight because they want the reward. Um, that's the part of the reward is that you don't reveal the reward. Um, so Nightwing, who was the victor of uh, the last competition, um, wasn't allowed to say what it is that he uh, that he won. But he's actually ashamed about the whole situation anyway because he didn't like he was forced into it to begin with, and he didn't want his morals re- or morals removed. So he's not happy about the whole situation. And majority of people were not happy about it, but there are now people who are volunteering for it, and they'll they'll show up later on in the in the competition. Uh, round one, Buffy versus Black Widow. They didn't volunteer; they were forced into it. Does that make sense so far? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Is it entertaining? Okay. You just got this blank look on your face. Um, cool. So, uh, so there's been some uh, modifications to the arena. Oh no. So what it is now is it's it's uh, it's an 1800 by 1800 feet <laughs> area. So it's bigger. But it's now no, it's always been 1800 by 1800. Oh, I thought it was yeah. 14. Um, but uh, no, it's four city blocks. Uh, that's where the four from. Uh, but now it's actually surrounded by water. So it's an island. So it's a city. On an island, surrounded by water. So we're no longer on Manhattan, which is a city on an island, surrounded by water. Well, it was just... No, it wasn't... <laughs> we were never on Manhattan anyway. It was it was four city blocks of New York, because that's, you know, the most cityest of cities <laughs> that you could possibly In get. Manhattan. Um, but it was on, like, another planet somewhere. With a okay. over the top of it. All right. Not New York itself, because I removed all the civilians. It was New New York. It was New New, new York. <laughs> Future Harbour version. <laughs> So yeah, so so the actual so the planet that it's on is is still unrevealed, but it is for kind of like what the Beyonder does in Secret Wars one is that they've they, they've they've copied four city blocks of New York and popped it on an island 
and it's, that island is now surrounded with water, which is then surrounded with a force field. Okay, so the water is in within the, the water is within the force field. Okay, that's important. I had to add that because there's a combatant later on that that needs the water. Aquaman. Well, I'm not going to say, but it's a, it's a bit later on. Um, so, so yeah, so four city blocks on an island, surrounded by water. Darwin the dolphin. <laughs> it could be Flipper. Darwin versus Flipper. Darwin versus Flipper. Darwin all the way. Darwin wins. Darwin totally wins. But uh, anyway, <laughs> let us know your thoughts. Darwin versus Flipper. Who would win? But yeah, but the city is still the same. So no civilians. It's still filled with all the you know the stuff that was all filled with before. Anyway, so uh, so like I said, neither of these characters uh, uh, volunteer. They're both there forcibly, but they've had like uh, they've had their minds, you know, their morals removed, and it's you know, kill or be be killed. One Probably thing, not too step, not much of a step far removed for Natasha. Well, that's very true. <laughs> uh, but uh, is there one thing? I, one also slight change that they've made to the competition. I say they because they're the mysterious people in charge of the competition. Um, they uh, the combatants are now aware of each other. So they know who their opponent is going to be from the very beginning. They're not given any idea about their abilities, um, but they are aware that that's, that's who they're meant to find and, and kill. Or deactivate or... Inhume. Inhume. It's a Terry Pratchett <laughs> phrase. Oh, I've never heard that word before in my life. Inhume. Inhume. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right, so Buffy, um, actually, I didn't even bring up a Wikipedia page for this. I'm just going to do this from memory because, <laughs> you know, I'm a bad, massive Buffy I'm fan. I'm actually shocked Buffy didn't appear during the first season. Buffy versus Deadpool. Still Deadpool, let's be honest. <laughs> Bloody Deadpool. Anyway, um, the uh, yeah, so Buffy Summers is, uh, uh, well, at this point in time, a 16-year-old girl from California who is a slayer. And what a slayer means is she's been supernaturally enhanced in order to battle the forces of evil, uh, most notably, of course, vampires, uh, who are the minions of, you know, demon lords and stuff like that. But as the story progresses, she also fights, you know, demons and even a god at one point, Glory, which is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, she's actually a demon god in human form. Um, so she's, uh, uh, hand-to-hand, she's self, she's sort of, she's trained by her watcher. Uh, Anthony Head. Anthony Head, yes, <laughs> um, who, as played by Anthony Head, uh, who's awesome. So she's trained in uh, Giles, sort of Giles, yeah, in various uh, combat techniques. Um, so her hand-to-hand uh, combat is uh, quite good. She's she's also kind of like Neo in the Matrix. She's kind of even though she never had any martial art ability previously, she sort of gains martial art ability. It's funny. All the vampires seem to also once you get turned into a vampire, you also get turned into a martial artist in some in some strange way. It's weird. It's, it's the Jackie Chan conversion. I guess, I guess so. I don't know where that comes from. Anyway, so um, so she's so she's a martial artist, and uh, and she was also she was a gymnast uh, before she got to, uh, before she became a, uh, a slayer. Really, came into her inheritance. So she also got because she's also got lots of gymnastic abilities and stuff like that. So she's super fast, super strong, regenerates quite quickly, more than better than human, but obviously not Wolverine level, um, not vampire level. No, she's better than bat vampires. Okay. Yeah, um, and. Uh, when I say super fast, she's not the flash level. She's more, uh, you know, quicker than the eye can see, sort of deal. But still, Silver Surfer. No, what's his name? Uh, Quicksilver. No, not even. No, Quicksilver's faster than. Okay. The, no, 
Anyway, she's she's damn fast. That's what you need to know. She basically it's one of those you know she snapped the snapped the fly out of the air type deal. Blinking, you miss um, it. Blinking, you miss it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, super strong. I actually don't know exactly what her strength level is, but it's damn strong. Like move cars sort of deal. That's pretty much it. She has a favorite weapon, which is a, st- a stake, who she calls Mister Pointy, uh, and uh, <laughs> she calls Mister Pointy. But she's also proficient in, in all sorts of other weapons, uh, especially swords and crossbows. Yeah, that's pretty much it, really. She also died twice, saving the world. And she also has some sort of supernatural protection, sort of innate supernatural protection, but it's not relevant to this fight anyway, because Black Widow doesn't have any supernatural abilities. Uh, so, and she's awesome. She's awesome. Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, uh, trained since she was a young girl as a ballerina, and then uh, basically forced into the the Black Widow program in her, in her native Russia from uh, from a very young age. She was, uh, uh, as part of the graduation of uh, the White Room, uh, which is where she's trained to be a master assassin, uh, the part of the graduation was to be, to have her ability to have children removed, which she's quite upset about, uh, as revealed in Avengers 2. Um, but, uh, train, yeah, master assassin, proficient in essentially any known weapon uh, available on earth um but uh but most proficient with um hand-to-hand combat so uh pistols and sniper rifles are her main weapons uh but hand-to-hand combat is her thing she is a master fighter and uh even though it's not it's not shown a lot in the films. I guess. I guess the best example is is what she does in Winter Soldier. I suppose that's probably the best example. Oh, and uh, her debut in Iron Man Two, where she takes out the guards in the in the corridor without even blinking. It's uh, that's probably yeah. They're probably the best examples of just how good she is. Um, she's also a lot older than Buffy. Well, I wouldn't say a lot she, she, older. She'd be but... at least a decade older than Buffy. If, oh. if Buffy's sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's clearly... So, so what I'm saying 30. is she, she's more mature than Buffy. Yeah, she's, well, she's had a lot more experience. Yes. Yeah, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yes. yeah, she's a lot more experience. So she's she's been in the game for I'm a very long time. I'm not calling her an old lady yeah, know, by what, any what, means. what are you trying to say? It's kind of like a <laughs> What are you trying to say here? Uh, no, she's... And, um, yeah, so she's... Yeah, so yeah, so a hell of a lot more experience and uh, uh, especially the, the infamous Budapest mission that uh, no one knows about, which everybody's very excited about. Um, but more importantly, as, as part of the Avengers, <laughs> she basically protects the world. She holds her own when she's with a god and a Hulk. That's right. Exactly. So I mean, she's she's that good that she can without, fight alongside gods. Without yeah. any supernatural ability. Yeah, so she has no supernatural abilities, no superhuman abilities. She doesn't Although, need them. What's hinted, what's hinted that she is actually genetically enhanced in some way. Like the part of the White Room process is that, that, that they, they sort of amp up, amp up her strength and speed and reflexes and stuff like that it's ne- never precisely said in the films because remember we're going on the film version in the comic version she actually is she is enhanced in small in small ways not quite captain america level but she is definitely enhanced um if this was comic version black widow versus buffy it wouldn't even be a comp question It'd be Buffy would be dead within seconds but because we're going with movie version is not specific it's it's you know yeah we'll, we'll say that she's faster and stronger than a normal girl woman of her size and age but not quite Buffy's level does that sound fair mm-hmm. yeah cool so with that so as with the new rule like I said so she's uh, so they're aware that they actually they have to fight each other uh, 
they get put at the opposite ends of the city and, and off they go. Buffy has Mr. Pointy, because that's what she always has, Mr. Pointy, but nothing else. Natasha has her guns, her twin pistols. She has her built-in widow's bite. They don't refer to that in the film, but that's what, they, that's what they're called, the widow's bite, which is the electric shock thing that she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and her sniper rifle. Buffy's dead. <laughs> Should we give Buffy something else to sort of even it up? Does she normally carry anything else? Well, there are later in later seasons of the show. She has her axe. That's yeah, like a you've, mystically you've empowered axe. You've chosen the point at where she's sixteen. Yeah, well, she, yeah, because at that point she's eighteen. Okay. So she's sixteen-year-old Buffy. Wait, should we change it to eighteen-year-old Buffy and give her the axe? You can't. You can't change the rules mid-game. Okay, well, in that, in that case, Black Widow doesn't have her sniper rifle, then. Because yeah. otherwise, Buffy's just dead. As soon as she gets to the rage, bang, dead. That's right. All right, so so we'll go with what, what Black Widow has in the movie. So she has her pistols, her widow's bite, and she also has, like, a line, like a... She has, like, a rope cord type thing that she has as part of her belt. She has a giant green boyfriend. A giant green boyfriend. There's no Hulk. <laughs> um... And so, and so, Buffy. Yeah, I mean, Buffy. If we're going, if we're being fair, that's all she's got is Mr. Pointy. She's still dead. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, um, explain, justify your act- your, your response. Justify my actions. Yes. <laughs> um, Natasha's uh, uh, loads more experienced than Buffy. She's more rational than Buffy. She will think about this coldly and calculatedly, and she'll track her down. And she'll kill it. You think it's that easy? Take her out. All right. That's that, that's Johnny Depp's dogs, by the way. <laughs> Johnny Depp's dogs. That's awesome. No, it is actually. It's it's the dog from next door that uh, that we've mentioned multiple times on the show. But the Johnny Depp reference is hilarious. <laughs> just very quickly, I, we haven't spoken about this, but it's just like, what what's your opinion? Should the dogs get be? I mean, the fact that the dogs should be taken out of the country is a must. Yeah. I mean, it's the law. But should he also be fined? Of course, that's the law. Yeah. All right, I'm with you. All right, cool. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, look, look. It's interesting. I, so uh, this is, um, as regular listeners will know, uh, in normally preparing the, the combatants for this fight, I, I randomly pick them out of a hat. Um, so I put all the names in the hat, and I randomly picked them out. Um, and well, actually, I, I cheated a little for this round. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you, because like you said, like you said at the start, you were surprised that Buffy didn't appear in the first series, and she was meant to. But I just never picked her name out, and so it never happened. Um, so for this round, I do admit, I did slightly cheat. I did actually just have her picked, and then I just randomly picked her opponent. All right? So there you go. Full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually quite pleased to get Black Widow, because I was like, because the, the massive Buffy nerd that I am, I was like, well, this is going to be an awesome com- fight. But Buffy, all the way. I mean, she's faster, stronger... Supernaturally enhanced. You're looking looking at Buffy through rose-coloured glasses here. And you're totally right. I am. I quite clearly am because the more and more I thought about it, and also influenced by the votes that we got online, Hmm. which were very interesting, I'm now I'm now have to agree with you. It's it's, it's, it's (laughs) Natasha's job to hunt down and kill people. That's what she does. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's Buffy's job to hunt down and kill demons. Yeah, but Natasha's not a demon. <laughs> no, but she's, Natasha's not even as strong as a demon, and yeah. Buffy's taken them out. Yeah. So the, the reason I thought it was no contest was that because Natasha doesn't have her uh, sniper rifle, which quite clearly would win the, within seconds, um, it was, you know, it, was, it came down to hand-to-hand. I, 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 kind of, I kind of pictured it going something like this, is that 
that you're right. I mean, it's, it's Natasha's job to hunt down and kill people. So, I mean, she's an assassin for a reason. That she'd basically, she'd get, you know, to within, track Buffy down until she got within range and just shoot at her. And then if Buffy managed to dodge, and she would, she's dodged bullets before. So if she can mm. dodge, so she's able to dodge out of the way and they would eventually get into Malay range and then it would be Malay. And then it's Buffy, it's game over because Buffy's far stronger and, and faster. But the more, the more and more I think about it is that, yeah, she's, I mean, Black Widow is not as fast and not as strong, but she's got so much more training. Like, it's a job to do it. Like, and Buffy it, fell into the job. And if, Black if Widow was raised in the, the job. job. If you take away her morals, that takes her right back into her Russian days. Yeah. She's, you've, just, you've, she's just a lean, mean assassin machine. 100%. So it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean you've hit the nail on the head just there. If we take away her morals... Mm. And she's she's now exactly what the White Room trained her to be, mm. and that's a killer. Whereas Buffy is as Buffy, awesome as she is, she's still a sixteen year old. She's still a sixteen year old girl. Yeah. So actually, I think I, I stuffed up. I should actually have had twenty year old Buffy <laughs> right at the end of the series. But yeah. anyway, but even then, even then, I think it still would have been because she does some awesome stuff. I mean, like I said, Buffy has taken out a god, but she still needs help. So she's Buffy still has the Scooby Gang to help her out eventually. Anyways, but I still think even the, the even that that version of Buffy would still lose. And I'm ashamed to say these words. I actually but I actually do think that Black Widow would do this. Mm. I mean she she like what I've already said, she holds her own while she's fighting alongside gods and hulks and Super soldiers. Like Tony Stark has to wear an iron suit to do what Natasha does. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm ashamed, <laughs> and, and uh, I'm actually quite upset about it because mm. uh, I wanted Buffy to win and progress mm. through the competition. But uh, yep. I should have re- I should have repicked another com- opponent because I just I think Black Widow out. Does we haven't her. actually talked through the fight, but I think that's the fight. Yeah, there's not much more to talk about. <laughs> I mean, how does she kill her? Strength. Well, I, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, we'll go with that. She, she, she goes, She's in pistol range. Buffy dodges. Black Widow just discards the guns because they're like, well, this is pointless. I'm not going to yeah. get a shot. Uh, they they engage hand-to-hand. Buffy just goes goes all out, just pummel, pummel, pummel. Like mm-hmm. She's beating demons, so she's you know just pummeling like mad. And Black Widow just basically just outclasses her in every way. So dodge, 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 dodge. Tosses away Mr. Pointy. Yeah, just get Mr. Pointy's out of the fight. Easy, Mr. Pointy's gone with disdain. A couple of a couple of widow bite blasts to to stun her a bit. I mean, it won't knock her out because Buffy's used to that sort of stuff. But I mean, a couple of widow blights, sort of you know, basically to sort of stun her and sort of make her a bit apprehensive. And then out comes the garrote from the belt and <laughs> see you later. I'm saying job done. At the very least, KO. Yeah, most likely dead. Job done. I'm very disappointed. Natasha wins. I've already listened to uh, Yumbo's audio, uh, but uh, so I won't. But I, don't, I won't reveal his his thing. So let's uh, let's uh, let's listen to how, what Bo has to say. I haven't heard it yet. So you and me listening together. All right, man. As far as the contest of champions, or sorry, copyright infringement, clash of, of champions, Buffy versus Black Widow is tough because I really want Buffy to win. But I feel like you, I feel like it's almost one sided Black Widow. And I don't know, maybe you guys have come up, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm in the past for you. 
of you guys to come up with a whole, to totally different scenario, but I really feel like um, Black Widow was trained from, you know, from, from birth to be a, a mercenary, and Buffy, while she does have the Slayer abilities, which, um, again, I haven't watched the show all the way through, but what I understand is she has uh, sort of buffed up abilities because she's a Slayer, but it's not like she's she's Wonder Woman or anything of that nature. I uh, I don't I don't think that's enough though. I don't. I mean, she she can still be killed, you know, just like any anybody else. And and I feel like I feel like Black Widow is just completely trained to do that. Also, you got to consider that Black Widow is on the Avengers. So I mean, she has fought against beings that are bent on destroying the planet. While Buffy, eh, I don't know. You probably can make that argument too. I think that there's a storyline in Buffy where um, one of the vampire dudes or whatever probably wants to destroy the planet. I don't know. But I think in reality, Black Widow has has, has fought way, way bigger villains than Buffy has. Um, and while she was helped by the Avengers or, was, you know, in the, the team of the Avengers... Um, I still think I still think that it's uh, she's just way more prepared with her training with the Avengers against against um, you know those high capacity high level villains um, and then her training to be a mercenary I think it's actually pretty one sided Black Widow I'd love Buffy to win but uh, I don't think it's I don't think it happens that way anyway the cool thing about this fight is it reminds me of uh, the fantasies I had as a kid, only Black Widow and Buffy would have had pillows and they would have been jumping on a bed. Um, you can leave that one in there if you want to, David. So there you go. So he uh, he agrees. <laughs> it's Black Widow all the way. And for the very same reason that you said, and that's what she's trained to do. Without the pillows. <laughs> yes, well... That's... <laughs> 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 Yes, <laughs> the pillow, the pillow bit may be a little questionable, but uh, you know, look, I, like I'm with, I'm with you, Bo. I, mean, so I wouldn't have had Black Widow in the in the thing, but you know, I, I was quite fond of uh, of uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar in those the Buffy days. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> There's no point denying it. I probably, I don't think I've had that exact sort of mind scenario, but. Uh, Anyway, moving on before we embarrass us any longer. So, so there you have it. That's Black Widow victory. So let's go. Let's throw the uh, the uh, the Facebook. No, I actually stuffed up with the Facebook, and I had it on. I, I I didn't post who do you think would win. I meant to do it a week in advance, but I actually didn't post it until last until yesterday. Uh, so I posted it yesterday, but we already managed to get quite a few responses. Good so responses, quite good. much better than the uh, bionic responses. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, so up, so as of at the start of our recording, we had twenty six votes. How do you reckon it went? Black Widow. <laughs> you reckon, you reckon it's Black Widow? <laughs> yes. Well, you're right. It was eleven for Buffy yep. and seventeen for Black Widow. There you go. <laughs> so even if I even if I'd stuck to my guns and said Buffy all the way. Still would have been I was still a little lost. <laughs> so, there you go. so, so it wasn't a trance. I mean, it was pretty even, but you know, black widow. And I like to think I, I really wanted to say this bit. I like to think it's because of public consciousness, like mm. because Black Widow is in the zeitgeist at the moment mm. and is so so very popular. I wanted to have a bit of a rant about 
It's like, oh, well, Buffy only lost because of the, you know, she's, you know, she's in the zeitgeist and Buffy hasn't been on the screens for ages and, you know, blah, 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 whinge, 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 cry, cry, cry. But I just can't do it. I mean, after speaking to you and listening to Bo's thing, I mean, yes, there probably is a little bit of that. Let's, it probably would have been a little bit closer in the votes if that if Buffy was currently on screen. Um, but let's face it, it's... I mean, logic dictates that it's, Black Widow wins it. It's the sign of a good thinker when you're presented with overwhelming evidence you are able to change your mind. Bloody Black Widow. <laughs> Should have oh. pre-picked. So there you go. Victory for Black Widow. Let us know what you think. Uh, like she will now uh, move on to the next round. Um, I, I've also forgot to mention that Clash of Champions, this, this particular iteration is... is Double the size, so there's actually, so we've got quite a few combatants to get through. It's bigger and better than ever before. I know, bigger, better, bolder, brighter, faster, stronger. It's starting to do a Radiohead song. No, I threw <laughs> there was a bit of Kanye. Bit of Kanye. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, oh, they ripped off Radiohead. <laughs> no, Kanye's ripped off a lot of people. Oh, oh. all right, moving on. Kanye don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> That'd be awesome if he did though. Uh, anyway, so let's move on to round two. So round two in two weeks' time. Hopefully Barry will be with us for that. I've got... So continuing with the Avengers, I've got Captain America versus Scorpion. I don't know who Scorpion is. <laughs> I love the blank look on your face for that. Uh, so it's Scorpion is one of the combatants from Mortal Kombat. He's the undead ninja warrior. So you can do a bit of research on that. So movie Captain America versus movie Scorpion. Get your votes in. All right, next up we've got our top five. All right, our top five subjects for this one, continuing the theme of, you know, girl power, is our top five female characters. Girl power always makes me think of those little cartoons back from the 80s. Was it Powerpuff Girls or something? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> well, they're awesome. <laughs> Sugar and spice and everything this. Yeah, so once again, uh, Bo has uh, pre-recorded his bit, so he will have his... Uh, at the, at the end of ours, but uh, you can oh, go first. I predict that we all have very different lists. Well, I hope we have very different lists. It makes it more exciting. Because usually we, we all sort of say, oh, I didn't put so-and-so on because I knew someone else would put this person on, but I don't think that'll be the case in this. All right, cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right, all right, you can go first. My list in no particular order because I couldn't rank these people, so I'll just go from who I thought of to first to who I thought of last. Okay. <laughs> first person is... I'm going to pronounce it Doris, even though it's spelled D-O-R-S, because I just assume that's the way it's meant to be pronounced. Doris Vanaboli. Doris Vanaboli is Harry Seldon's partner in the Forward the Foundation novel. Oh, right. Yes. She's a robot, but she's a very, very human robot, and uh, she's a... She's she's fully functional? I believe so. Oh, cool. She's a... She's a... Probably the strongest female character I think Asimov's ever written... Uh, strongest, I mean, in in fully formed three dimensional person character, and mm, mm. uh, I, I really liked her. I liked her so much that um, I used to use her name as a password. Awesome. <laughs> I don't anymore. Yeah. So don't try, don't try and hack my accounts. Hacker but, alert. But uh, uh, yeah, that, she's a she's a really really awesome character. And if uh, after last week's show, if you if you haven't read the Foundation books, I strongly encourage you, even if it's just that that character. We didn't review those that particular book, but. There you go. We probably will at some point, knowing Richo. Yeah. yeah. And you should listen to the last episode anyway, because it's awesome. Yeah. Exactly. My next uh, is two people, but they go hand in hand, really. It's Nanny Og and Granny Weatherwax from the Terry Pratchett novels. These are, they're witches. 
they're elderly ladies, but they still manage to kick a few butts along the way in their elderly witch ways. Um, both very different characters. Nanny Olga's a... Um, She's, she's caring and she looks after people but she can still be tough when she wants to be and she's really the only person that can keep Granny Weatherwax in line and Granny Weatherwax is probably the female version of Dr. House oh, right. she's very grumpy she's forthright, she says what she she believes and um, doesn't not afraid to insult anybody <laughs> <laughs> uh, next on my list is, is Murphy Brown Cool. Murphy Brown, I really liked this show uh, back in the day. I don't know if it stands the test of time, but uh, it was you know it was a revelation to see Candace Bergen to do comedy, and it was you know, a good show on its own. But then it sort of became an, an unwitting banner for feminism when Murphy Brown had a baby, and and uh, that spilled over into real life when she was criticised for being a single mother with a baby. Mm. Um, I've Meant to look it up to find out who it was. It was the prominent politician of the time. But I can't remember. Right, but, she, yeah. but he was uh, slapped down. He was slapped down in yeah. the show, and, and it, I just uh, I love the way that it spilled over into real life and became a, a thing on the show. But uh, it, uh, she, she managed to be a, a fully formed, flawed female character. Um, the the lead in the show, and. Um, didn't have to have cleavage showing or anything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, but I just 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 managed to we managed to have a show revolving around a, a strong female lead character. That's good. Next on my list is Temperance Brennan. Now I'm referring to the Temperance Brennan from the Kathy Reich's novels, not the Temperance Brennan from the Bones TV show, who is much much younger than the original Temperance Brennan. Completely different character. Okay. Temperance Brennan, um, I'm not sure if she's even referred to as Bones in the books, I can't remember. It's been a very long time since I've read them. But she's a, um, she's also a, a forensic um, anthropologist, is that the word? Anyway, she does the same job, but basically in the books she's based out of Montreal and Charlotte. So from some part of the year she's in Charlotte, some part of the year she's in Montreal. She has a grown-up adult daughter, she's a reformed alcoholic, um, Yeah, just a... Another well-rounded, flawed, fully formed female character that I quite enjoyed and was really disappointed to see how she was portrayed in in the TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And last but by no means least is Scully. Had to throw a Scully in there. It's pretty safe to say that all three lists have got Scully on there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I I, I, I had to take back what I said earlier. I've I've forgotten about Bo's love of the X-Files, so Scully probably will be on there. Yeah, just, well, there's not much to say about Scully. We've talked about her before. We'll probably talk about her again, and no doubt you guys will talk about her, so we'll just, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Awesome. At number five, I've got Emma Peel from The Avengers, the, the British TV show, not the, not the you know, Marvel Avengers, as, as played by Diana Rigg. Um, she is essentially Black Widow on the small screen, and she's awesome. Mm-hmm. So she's a great character. Um, she keeps him in line with a bit of sass. And even though they're very fond of each other, I mean, they love each other, but not in the you know the typical CW angsty lovey way. You know what I mean? So it's more it's, of a scolder, Mulder and Scully way. Yeah, well, even they go get into a romantic. Yeah, but in the early seasons. On. Yeah, but it's early. Yeah, so it's it's. I mean, they they love each other. They'll do whatever they what. You know, this Mister Steed, Mister Steed, I'm obviously talking about mm. um, is, and you know they'll do they die for each other, but. It's more of a it's a love of respect and 
platonic. Yeah, it's, it's Brett. Um, number four, I've got Dana Scully, <laughs> of course, from the X-Files. <laughs> that was played by Gillian Anderson. And, you know, as Chris has said, we've spoken about him billions of times before. And Mom I'm sure we will again. Um, they're coming back, doing new X-Files. Pretty cool. And number three, I've got Sarah Connor from Terminator, as played by Linda, Linda Hamilton. All mine are actually from, like, movies and TV shows. I don't know if you're comic I'm glad you uh, specified which Sarah Connor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Linda Hamilton Sarah Connor. Yeah. I mean, although, I mean, the Sarah Connor that's in the TV show, The Terminator Chronicles. I never saw show, it. Is, uh, she actually does a fine job. It's uh, yeah. uh, Lena Headley. Yeah. And she's fine. She's a fine actress. I mean, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's just the show is just... Yeah, I'm just, I'm only saying, I'm glad you specified because there's yeah. been so many different versions. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, well, I haven't seen Genesis yet, although I know you're excited. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go and see that yeah. like, in the movies we will we'll go see it uh, um, yeah but Sarah Connor yeah she I mean she's awesome I mean she starts off as you know the damsel in distress type character and, and you know she needs to be rescued And but even during that she still shows quite a lot of strength it's like you know on your feet soldier and, and she's able to you know she wins in the end I mean it's the, I mean Hicks gets taken out it's it's Sarah mm-hmm. that actually wins uh, against this, the unstoppable machine and and, uh, and then she she embraces. I mean, she goes. She goes a little nutty and sort of embraces the fact that she has to, you know, raise John in order to be the um, the savior of the world. And she just goes all out. Her introduction in Terminator Two, it's just amazing. And it's and it, and it's and it sort of flips it so that in Terminator Two, she's probably more scary than the Terminator itself. Do you think she'd take out Buffy? No, Buffy's supernaturally enhanced. Yeah, but she beat the Terminator. Uh, we'll have discussion later. <laughs> <laughs> no, she wouldn't be Buffy. And uh, as I say, that's number two, Buffy Summers. <laughs> as played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. And uh, for all the reasons that we've already discussed, she's uh, she's awesome. Uh, and so, like, number one. The Black num- Widow. No. <laughs> no, no well, not anymore. Now that she beat my beloved Buffy. Uh, no, it's uh, Alan Ripley from Alien. As played knew, by Sigourney Reaver. I knew someone would have Ripley. Yeah, yeah. Bo predicted it. Um, Ellen Ripley is, or as you know, she's number one on my list. So she's to me, she is the the perfect representation of of a female a female character and a, and a character. I mean, she's just she's just she's. I mean, she's strong and she's vulnerable and she's. I mean, she's flawed and she's, but she's also incredibly strong and you know willful and she's just an amazing character. Let's play bows. So top five female heroes. I uh, started out my list with Catwoman. I just remember Catwoman even as a kid was a cool character because she was um she was neither good or bad. She seemed to help Batman in a lot of ways, but she also couldn't stop stealing stuff. So, so she was I don't even know if she should make a list cuz I don't know if she's a hero. Um but uh Catwoman is a, a char- is an interesting character in any case in that uh she's she's never She's never justly good or, or, or just bad. It's, she's kind of a neutral character in the uh, in the Batman universe. Um, but one reason she makes my list is because she's nobody's accessory. Um, she's she's you, you can make the argument maybe she's an accessory to Batman, but I think that's only in the very early appearances of her. I mean, I, I really think that she she becomes her own own character in uh, in no time, and, and that's sort of what I based my list on. Was was um, I tried to pick. Uh, female characters that weren't accessories to men. Number four is Ripley from Alien. I'm sure that's also on David's list somewhere. And uh, I picked her just because, again, nostalgia. I remember being a kid and thinking 
that she was really kick-ass, and uh, it was a good movie. Um, number three, I picked Alana from Saga because she's interesting in that she... So the problem with having strong female characters and having them in some sort of relationship is that you run the risk of of them you know becoming just what i said where they're just an accessory to a man in the story and they're not their own character and alana is a really good example of um you know saga is almost completely a love story i mean most of the story is about is about them you know surviving together and, and trying to you know create a life together and um i mean the male character he, he's almost an accessory to her i mean she's a really She's a really strong character, and I, I love Stog. I love that story, and uh, she's one of the main reasons why. I mean, she's a really cool character. Uh, number two, Buffy. I actually haven't watched Buffy all the way through. I've only seen episodes whenever my wife is watching Buffy, um, but she definitely symbolizes a strong character uh, to a lot of women, and I think that she deserves to be on the list. Um, and then my number one is Barbara Gordon. And the reason I picked Barbara Gordon is because she kind of started out in the early days as um, as Batgirl. Um, she at one time was uh, the Oracle and, or Oracle. And, um, you know, she in the now, thanks to the new 52, she's she's back. And I just think that she has a way more independent role now than she did back whenever she was first invented. Um, but also as Oracle, it kind of proves that she not only she not only can stand on her own telling stories where she's beating up bad guys, but as Oracle, you know, she was, you know, like a computer hacker. I mean, she she proves that she could um, also, you know, have the brains behind it, too. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, Barbara Gordon maybe has over a lot of these other characters. Maybe Ripley also is in a similar in a similar way, but. That's why I kind of moved her to the front of the list. But uh, that's my top five female heroes slash villains. <laughs> so are you shocked that there was no Dana on uh, Bo's list? Gobsmacked. Now that, now that he listens, when he listens back to this... He's going to do Facebook. He's going to be like, what the hell was I thinking? But an interesting list nonetheless. So it's, uh, it's our top five. Let's move on to our interview. Uh, now, a couple of episodes back, uh, I, I managed to speak to Keith Juice from uh, Wormwood, and uh, he was nice enough to pass my details on to uh, the rest of the Wormwood crew, and uh, I have managed to score an interview with Bianca Brady, uh, who played Brooke, um, and I, I can't thank him enough. Awesome. She, Bianca is... I actually managed to meet Bianca in person at uh, Supernova Melbourne, and uh, she's as lovely as you would imagine that she is. She's awesome. Um, and uh, we finally uh, got to get our interview. Had some scheduling <laughs> conflicts, but uh, we got our interview uh, over Skype. And uh, yeah, just awesome. She's just she's she's a great person and uh, and bloody funny. <laughs> and uh, let's start. here's the interview, and uh, I'll come back. All right, David and Crystal here from NCP, and we are talking to the lovely Bianca Brady. Hi guys, how you doing? <laughs> doing good. How you doing? Good, thank you. How often do you get called get called Bradley? Um, at least twice a day. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's very annoying. It's on official documents a lot. You have to send <laughs> a lot of stuff back. 
Really? But also, it's quite handy because sometimes I can just pretend I'm not really that person and it didn't happen to me. <laughs> it's a great it, way to get out of fines. Is it a hassle Is it a hassle on the official documents? You like getting them sent back and stuff? Yes, very annoying. I'm pretty sure when I was in high school, um, I had to send back my HSC results, I think, because they spelt it wrong. What? Actually, they, they actually put my, the wrong date of birth on my driver's license. Oh, and when God. I complained about it, I was like, well, my date of birth is wrong. They're like, oh, what are you going to do? And I'm like, what? are you serious? This is like an official document. They're like, yeah, whatever. So I'm actually, so on my, on my driver's license, I'm officially four days younger. Hey, take it. No, no, it's pretty good. It's not bad. It's golden. Yeah, take what you get. So, Bianca, we're, we're talking to you uh, mainly because of uh, Wormwood, of course, Road of the Dead, which uh, I've, we've, we've discussed on the show multiple times because uh, I'm a big fan and uh, we've, uh, we've championed it as, as, as much as we can. We, also, we spoke to Keith. Uh, who played Frank at, uh, in a couple of episodes ago, and uh, we've been trying to talk to you <laughs> on and off. Yeah, hard to pin down. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a busy, busy girl. I'm a little bit all over the place, you yeah. know. Actors, we're just a little bit flighty. We're <laughs> you never know what we're doing. It is mainly my fault, though. We were we were scheduled to have an interview at Supernova Melbourne, uh, but unfortunately, I was I was too ill. But uh, I did actually get to meet you and get you to sign my Blu-ray, which is awesome. Too much party. Supernova. That's right. It was good. I really liked Supernova Melbourne. It was fun. It was it was so nice to sort of get in there and see the bands and, and see what people like. It was, it was really awesome. It was cool. They, they also yeah. had um, the guys from Infinity there as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah so what, yeah. Was, what was it like being next to a, a Hemsworth? Um, it was good. <laughs> He's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I um. Because I've met Shane Abess before um, previously at another event, and so we all just sort of got chatting, and I think we ended up at the pub having drinks for a few hours as well. It's the classic Australian way, just just go get pissed together. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a running running thing that I'm a big fan of the Hemsworth. <laughs> Hemsworth's on this, oh, anyway. hey. oh, this show, yeah. No, I'm, yeah, he was lovely. He was a lovely man. Yeah. He, is, he was cool. So obviously, you're, you play Brooke uh, on the in the movie, and uh, it's our theme. Our theme for this episode is uh, you know, it's like kick butt women, <laughs> and, uh, yes. and uh, nobody personifies that more than Brooke. Uh, she's um, she's an awesome character. So tell us how, a, bit, a little bit of how you got involved in the project and uh, about the character herself. Uh, I love that you think she's awesome and kick-ass because that's, that's brilliant. That's exactly what we were going for. Um, so I used to live with um, this lovely guy called Jeff and he worked with Kia in their day jobs at Aussie Bum. So they, um, it's a company here in Australia that does um, underwear. Mm-hmm. So they used to do the promo videos for it. And um, he was like, this, my friend is searching for someone to play their lead actress and they can't find her. Do you mind if I send through your stuff? And I was like, sure. So... Sent through my showreel. I went and had a coffee with Kia, and we ended up just chatting for a couple of hours and just like talking each other's ears off. And just we just knew exactly who the character was, both of us. Like I just thought she was awesome. I saw her as a cross between Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and Joan of Arc, sort of almost like this warrior-like yeah. that savior is, that, that has that's this an awesome, awesome description. Interesting combination. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Yeah, and I just saw her as, like, a single-minded, strong, feminine character. But then also, um, you know, you've got to throw in a bit of sort of Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, sex it up a bit for the, the boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do I want to bring that up later. So, I mean, it, 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 I'll, I'll let you continue with so I don't want to break your train of thought, but I do want to bring up that sex it up bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, honestly, we just had a coffee and a chat, and we just 
got each other. I think that's pretty much how Kia cast everyone. He'd just go for a beer with them or a coffee and just see if he thought their energy was right for the character. And it was, I don't know, it was just the best day of my life, honestly. When he wrote me the email going, would you want to be involved in this? I know that we can't, you know, it's deferred payment. And I was like, yes! <laughs> yes! Absolutely. Are you kidding? I would love that. She's a dream role. I really want to be involved. That is awesome. And so yeah. um, the... Let's talk about the sex it up thing just 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 briefly. So yeah. you are, I mean, you are in like basically like a tank top and and bra for like the majority of the movie. It was cold. Yeah, it was. It was very cold. That's that's basically the question I wanted. It's like it's the two the two things that sort of stand out a lot for me. For not, I mean, obviously your character is awesome. I love Brooke. I think she's mad. Um, Frank Frank and Brooke are my two favorite characters. So the chance to talk to both of you is was brilliant. Um, but. I mean, the one the the one thing is that is like, geez, it must have been cold. <laughs> it was yeah, <laughs> fucking freezing. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked all the the earlier stuff in um, the shed scene where like it's in the rafters and everything because that yeah. was during summer and it was a heat wave and it was awesome and sweaty and great. Yeah. And then the rest of the film was shot sort of in the Blue Mountains in winter. Yeah. So it was you know zero degrees and I was covered in fake sweat, laying on the ground. You know, it was just <laughs> freezing. Like mind-numbingly freezing. You can tell. It's just as a as a student of film, I, I could sort of tell that it wasn't filmed in summer. Um, but it's, no. uh, even though it was nice and bright and you know and stuff, I could tell. It was like and it's, and the scene where you get shot. Um, yeah. Spoiler alert. And uh, and you're sitting, you're lying there in the dirt, and I'm like, oh my god, that must be. T- it's so cold. <laughs> yeah, it was around. it was freezing. It was funny because all the guys were sort of you know they're all like in their leathers and yeah. really covered up, and they're like, oh my god, it's cold. And I was like, shut up. Are you kidding? <laughs> Try putting on a little tiny singlet and covering yourself in liquid before each each shot, and then you're going to stand cold. And uh, the other thing was, um, for quite a, a long duration of the film, you've got your arms tied up above your head. Yeah. Like, how, how long actually was that? You know, in the film, it's about 20 minutes. I mean, how long was it in actual real time? Um, so we shot that scene over two weekends, so Friday to Sunday. So there are only yeah. six days in total. Yeah. And honestly, um, I wasn't actually tied up. I was just pretending. Oh, I know. I know. I feel like I'm ruining all man's fancies with that statement. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was thinking more along of how long did it take for your arms to go go dead? <laughs> no, yeah, Kia thought it'd be it'd be like painful and torture to actually have me tied up. So I just um, held my hands up on my head and wrapped some um, rope around it. Really. I would have preferred to be tied up though, because you know you, you have something to act against, and you're held in tight. And but I don't know. I guess you well, just act. I've got to say this: that's an absolutely magnificent job because I, I, the suspension of, of disbelief is. I mean, it's actually, the scene where you're like you're quite scared for the first time when the doctor's coming towards you, and it's, and you've just seen him do like stab the guy next to you, and he's like coming towards you for the first time. You're like struggling and straining and stuff. It yeah. doesn't, doesn't look fake at all, but it looks like you actually are tied up. That's, that's, that's such a good job. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. I do really good tied up acting. So it's, on, it's, on, it's on my resume. Yeah, it's on your CV. <laughs> so, talk, so talking about acting, so tell, tell us a bit about um, how, so how you got into it. Like what made you want to be an actor and, and uh, some of the things that you've done? Um, I always wanted to be an actor, even from when I was really little, but I was really shy growing up, actually. So I did, like, dancing and singing and acting forever, and then I kind of went, oh, I can't do this. I'm, I wasn't sure of myself, and I sort of put it off for a few years, and then I was like, I'm kind of wasting my life. I'm not really doing what I really wanted to do. So I just I just started acting and just went for it. And I, I know a lot of people sort of said, you know, you, sh- you never make it, and it's, it's a hard industry, and I mean, it is, but... 
it doesn't really matter because at least I'm doing what I love and I just I honestly do it because I really enjoy the process of doing it mm-hmm. and so it's just really fulfilling in that way like I just I really don't mind what I'm doing as long as I get to act and play characters and explore human emotions and their relationships I just think it's I think it's amazing hmm. you, don't, you don't still talk to the people who said you're never going to make it don't you? <laughs> screw them I don't know, damn them. I know, what's that about? My parents and stuff, but yeah, I've got to keep talking to them. <laughs> they were like, what are you doing? Don't become an actor, you'll be unemployed, and it'll be hard, and, and it is hard, but it doesn't matter, because it's the love, you do it for the love. When we were speaking to Keith, he was he was saying how hard it is, I mean, he's been in this industry for, you know, many moons, and mm. he was, I mean, even for him, so even for, for someone of his obvious talent, and and you know so longevity in the yeah. industry it was still hard for him to get roles and sort of stuff it's like it's so it must I be think, bloody, you know, bloody hard yeah the industry here in australia is just so it's just so small and there's so many people that want to do it and we just don't have the jobs or the resources or the funding that goes into it and it's such a pity that most actors here in australia honestly have a second job mm. it's just it's just a fact it's a reality in our industry and unless you really want to pursue it as your 100% goal, you know, you've got to move to overseas and then you've got to leave your family and your friends and I think it's sort of a toss-up between leaving your loved ones and not having to struggle each day. But even if you go to LA, then you've still got to fight with, you know, 10 times, 100 times the people that you've got here. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's just a testament that, you know, Keith still does it because he does it for the right reasons. He does it because he really really loves it and he enjoys it and he believes in it it's not about um success or money for yeah. us i think yeah it's a success of of Wormwood helping you out i mean it's i mean it's got some huge buzz yeah absolutely uh, it's it's, it's amazing to be involved in a project that you feel so proud of as well i think I'm, we're so passionate about it and we're just so excited about it and i think kia sort of inspired all of us to be like that like the roach turner brothers are just they're so inspiring because they went out and made it themselves. Yeah. They didn't wait for someone to hand it to them. And I think that we need to sort of take a leaf out of their book more. We need to go by their example. Like, why are we sitting here waiting for someone else to tell us what we can do? Yeah. We just need to go out and do it and make it. And I don't know, it's just really nice that they've done it. I think they're showing other indie filmmakers that we can just go out and do it. Yeah. Has it, got, has it gotten you any other offers and stuff? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, awesome. it's definitely opened doors for me, which is awesome. I'm, you know, chatting with um, some people in the US. I'm in talks to star in a, a like a like a horror film over there, which is a similar tough character to Brooke. Cool. Yeah, which that'd be really exciting. So they're just looking for funding at the moment. And I've got the web series that I do here in Australia as well. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, it's start, starting from now. Yeah, starting from now. Yeah. So. Um, we're in talks to do season four and five of that now, and they're thinking about turning it into a TV show. Ooh. So we'll see what happens with that. So that'd be good. And I mean, Wormwood's still got the sequel coming up, and you know they're tossing around ideas of what the best thing is to do, whether it should be a, a TV series or a, or a part two movie. So I don't know what the boys will come up with on that. But that, that is definitely happening, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When, like, when, we yeah. spoke, when we spoke to Keith, it was on IMDb is happening, and he was like, no one's told me. <laughs> it's like, what's, what's going no, on? I mean, that thing on IMDb is just, it's just absolutely rumoured. Yeah. Um, they're definitely going to do something coming up with Wormwood, but they just haven't decided the best 
the best option yet, I think. And they're going to do their other film in between. The, oh, yeah, they have the ghost story. Yeah, their ghost one. Yeah, cool. Doing that. Um, you're saying, you've also done stuff behind the scenes, so you've done some makeup as well? Yeah, I used to do uh, makeup. So when I was too shy to be in front of the camera, I <laughs> at least wanted to be in the industry. So I did makeup. So I, I, it's a handy skill to have, actually, especially in the, the industry here in Australia when you sort of have to do a lot of your own makeup did, on sets. Did you have to do any of the makeup in the in Wormwood? Yeah, I did my own um, in Wormwood. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, it's handy. It, I mean, it, it lowers the budget for indie filmmakers, which is good. And the me- then the makeup artists get to concentrate on, you know, doing the zombie makeup rather than just making the girl pretty. Yeah. And did, yeah. You, did you have to do any um, gun training or anything like that, or you're already... Yeah, no, I've I've done some gun training before, actually. Um, I've gone to the shooting range with a friend of mine who is a great armourer in the industry, and so he's taught me how to shoot guns, which is quite handy to have. So I got to go there and shoot um, semi-automatics and handguns, and he taught me all of them. So it's really good to have on set for action films. But then I've also done, like, fight training with MMA guys as well and some Muay Thai and boxing, and I just – I think it's really handy to have all these – skills up your sleeve so that when you do come to the role then you've got a little bit of a little basis to go on that is awesome yeah it's just yeah and it's fun as well it's it's so out of your comfort zone it's something you don't get to do every day so it's exciting and when you're you're obviously very fit i mean so all the training helps yeah well i think you've got to stay fit like because if you do get a role where you've got to be really active and running and you, you i think it's such long days on set. You've got to keep your stamina stamina up, so you've got to have your fitness at a certain level. Yeah. I um, mean, during part of the film, you've got a um, gag on. So during most of the, <laughs> the doctor stuff, so you actually, so you got to do some sort of eye acting. Yeah, lots of eye acting. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I think that's one of the reasons why Kia um, actually hired me as well because I've always had. I think I can't lie with my eyes at all. I always give every expression away. You can always see what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that helped with the character. He's like, you're going to be tied up for a while, so this will, this will be a good thing. Like, well, I, I mean, can't... your eyes are quite striking to, just to begin with. And then <laughs> and then later on when you get those kick-butt contacts in. Yeah, I know. How cool are they? <laughs> they are awesome. I knew that um, weird white zombie contacts could look so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to wear them all the time. They're the best. <laughs> I've got to go with the standard interview questions. I'm sorry, but I've got to throw it at you a bit. How much of you is in Brooke and vice versa? Um, I think um, Brooke is sort of – she's definitely a version of me. And I, I, I know when people see her, they're like, she, you're, she, you're very different. Like even my voice from hers is very different. Hmm. I think she's all the good parts of me that I would like to be because I'm a little bit more girly, a little bit softer, more sensitive – and so I think I just channeled all the, the harder stuff, the stronger stuff, put on – she's a lot more confident than me and a lot more um, secure and independent. And I, they're all qualities that I wish I could have more of, I think, and that's what I really wanted to play with. She's a bit of a dream role, really. Yeah, she's pretty cool. <laughs> she's so cool. I wish I was like her in real life. <laughs> Um, the, and the other the other thing is that the bit at the start uh, when you're in the the warehouse shed thing and um, it's it looks like you're about to film a movie or something. Are you doing photo shoots or something? Yeah, so yeah. she's a bit of an, an arty creative type. So yeah. we also had um, a painting. I was she was painting as well, and then yeah. um, they were taking some photos. And so basically, she's just like a little bit of a like a gothic artist, um, just doing her own thing and. 
playing around with her mates and having fun. A bit bohemian. Yeah, <laughs> that, definitely. And that... um, a little bit um, sexually ambiguous as well at the same time. Oh, oh gee, there you go. There's a bit of extra info for you. <laughs> <laughs> So, so where we're, like I said, it's, it's, it's uh, experiencing quite a lot of success I mean, here and overseas. It's just got released on um, Blu-ray in America, I believe, yeah? Um, so it's going to be released on August 4th. August 4th, yeah. Yeah, in America, but it's just come out in the UK. So we're getting a lot of um, a lot of buzz from people seeing it over there, which is which is amazing. It's awesome. So Twitter is going crazy with it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just so exciting that the world is getting to see it. I can't believe it. It's sort of... Surreal. There's something that we shot on weekends in people's backyards. Yeah, and yeah. The, the new Mad Max film that's just come out is definitely going to help. I think because I mean, not only, not only is it good, but because you guys are it's basically Mad Max with zombies. Yeah. You know, once they've seen I, Fury I, Road, they, they're then going to check out Wormwood. I think. Yeah, I would love that if there's you know favorable comparisons and if people are like, well, Mad Max was awesome and Wormwood was awesome, and because there's a lot of great awesome Aussie films coming out, like. Duke came out and that was amazing as well. Yeah, and and I saw Infinity um, at a special screening last week and that was brilliant as well. I think Aussie filmmakers are just doing such a great job right now. Yeah, oh, totally, totally agree with that. It's, it's, yeah, we try to, we try to cover as much Aussie as stuff as we can. It's just we're at a, a really good time. It's yeah, it was great. The, and the more that we sort of collectively up our game as well, the the better it is for all of us. So it's really good that we're all sort of working together and promoting each other and speaking really highly of each other's films as well. I think it's good. Yeah. Do you have a, a dream project that you'd like to do? Honestly, I would love to work on um, something sort of indie-like. I just watched um, Very Good Girls the other day, and it's sort of this coming-of-age story between two girls and the guy that they're both in love with. And it's just I really like small art house I don't know, sort of softer toned, not much is said, but so much is going on. Mm-hmm. I like that sort of project. That would be my my ultimate. Awesome. Yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, let's, let's finish up with the, the patented uh, NCP question, all right? So you can take a little bit of time to sort of think about your answer. All right. If you were doing this interview, if you were controlling the interview, what would be the one question that you would want asked and what's the answer? Oh, God. That's a really hard question. It does, does everyone say that? Is everyone like, whoa? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm quite proud of that question. It, it's uh, I do get some some interesting responses. Classic. I guess I don't know. Would it be my? I'd probably just like, what are your um, female inspirations? Like, oh, that's that's a perfect question. It ties all in. All right. You aspire to yeah. That's all. So, Banker, what 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 would be your top female inspirations? Uh, well, my top female inspirations are. I just I love um, Kate Blanchett as the actress, obviously, and Meryl Streep. But then um, I love I love really strong female characters like um, Sharon Stone's character from Basic Instinct. I love her, <laughs> and um, uh, Lilu from Fifth Element. I always wanted to be her when I was younger. I even dyed my hair orange. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and um, honestly, um, like Ariel from The Little Mermaid, like well, she's the coolest. <laughs> no arguments here. And I just think, you know, you just need to amalgamate all of them into one and have the perfect woman. I think you'd be a great Mulan. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. They're doing a live-action Mulan. You should put your hand up. I love Mulan. Actually, she is amazing. <laughs> that was one of my favourite ones. She's so tough and strong. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's absolutely awesome. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. It's been brilliant. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It's oh, been thanks, really thanks for actually managed, managed to, to, to work it out. <laughs> so. Yeah.
Thank you for loving Wormwood. Oh no, thank you. It's it's it's, uh, it's a great flick, and I'm I'm happy to stand behind it. And yeah, thanks for um, bringing the the character of Brooke to life. Thank you. <laughs> well, you have a good day. Have fun, yeah. and uh, before you have to go off to work. Thank you, guys. Uh, take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So there you go, Bianca, what a champion. I'd love to talk to her again at some point, hopefully. hopefully. That'd be great. And, uh, and Wormwood, yeah, it's going great guns, but hey, support it as much as you can. Blu-ray, available at JB and uh, you know other Blu-ray-type places. It's, it's out there. Watch it. My sister just watched it. She thinks it's hilarious. She loves it. She gives it a full thumbs up. Let's finish up with Coming Soon. In Australian cinemas, May 21st, we get Poltergeist, the remake that we had to have. No. Although, strangely enough, it actually does look pretty good. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I can't watch the original. I'm not watching the remake. Uh, I'll, I'll check it out. Katie will watch it. Yeah, when it comes on, on Blu-ray, I'll check it out. I'm not going to get the cinemas to set. Uh, Spy, which uh, unfortunately continues Melissa McCarthy's career. I don't know, I just, I'm just not a Melissa McCarthy fan. I, I, I quite like her. I just didn't like Heat. Supporting cast features Rose Byrne, Australia's own Rose Byrne, uh, Jude Law, and Jason Stratham. So, I don't know, avoid. Oh, it's, it's a toss up because Jude Law, okay, he's pretty good, but I've not seen a film with Jason Statham in it that I've enjoyed. Really? He's awesome. The films are boring. Nah. <laughs> he's in some bad films, I'm not going to lie. But it's, but I, I didn't I, say I he was in bad I films, awesome. I just didn't see, haven't seen one that I enjoyed. Nah, that's well, just, they're not for me. Well, I've got a collection over there. <laughs> we, can, we can sit down and watch from Jason We've talked about your collection before. Could, oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, like that, is it? Uh, and last but not least, we get Woman in Gold, which is uh, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah. Uh, Katie Holmes uh, and Oscar winner Helen Mirren in a true legal drama centred on Holocaust refugee Maria Altman. So that's it. That's uh, Australian Cinema. I just want to, again, thanks, thanks to uh, Bianca for uh, agreeing to and, and taking part in the interview. She was awesome. And thanks to uh, all the people that voted in the, the short time that it, that it was up there. I'm sure we'll get more in. I was, I was we'll imp- do an update. I was impressed with the amount of votes we got just overnight. That, yeah, that's, that's, that was good. That was awesome. Um, and just a huge thanks to Bo for making the effort to pre-record his bits. He's, uh, I, didn't, I didn't keep the, the bit in. The, the, there's a bit at the start where he sort of explains to me about that he was a bit worried that the sound quality might not be any good, but it's actually it's actually fine. He explains that he packed up all his stuff to go to XCOM, because actually they have a booth at XCOM, which is pretty cool. Um, and uh, so he's packed up all his stuff, and then he realised that he had to record the stuff for the show, and then he, so he actually recorded it on a webcam microphone, using the microphone for the webcam to record it and stuff. Yeah. He was a bit worried about the quality and stuff, but it turned out perfectly fine. We, I mean, the fact that he went to that effort to, to do it is, is really, really cool. So he already knows that we love him, but I'll say it again. We love you both. Well done, Bo. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's it for episode 143. An epic episode. Hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. I got to be with my wife, who's lovely. And, and my husband, who is lovely. <laughs> I call it a man lovely. <laughs> I was trying to think of a funny bit to sign off on. Oh, right. Okay, cool. <laughs> my brain doesn't do two things at once. <laughs> so that's it for me and Crystal. I'll go talk to my sestra. The fact that you've got the sound that happens when Helena appears on screen as your message alert is creepy as. The fact that I had to change it back to what it was because it creeped you out. It was too creepy. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have to, but you did it because you're lovely. Because I love you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
you've been listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. You can run on our wall if you go to the Facebook page. Go to facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Tweet us at nerdculturecast. Skype us on Nerd Culture Podcast. If we don't answer, leave a message. We might even play it on the show. You can comment on any post on our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com If you'd like to support the show, use the Amazon affiliate widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. It doesn't cost you any extra, and a small percentage of the profit goes towards helping us to produce our show. We can see what you buy, but not who you are, so your privacy is assured. Check out our videos at ncptv.net or search for NCPTV on YouTube because we also have a YouTube channel. Don't forget, you can rate, review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Wondering where you can hear more of Bo? Go to ecnradio.com. Bo and David also have another podcast called Film Flames. More info at www.filmflames.com. You can find all of our podcasts and more at undercastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.